Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 94. Hey, this is Scott Gerber, CEO of the community company and co-author of the new book, Super Connector. And if you want to learn to live a Super Connector lifestyle, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, I'm sure you've heard me and my guests talk a lot about the importance of masterminds. I know I personally would not be anywhere near where I am today without spending tens of thousands of dollars investing into building relationships in a mastermind setting. So on that, I am opening up a second round of my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha in order to build relationships with some of you guys out there. If this is something that interests you, please head over to buildyournetwork.co slash alpha to submit an application and hop on the phone with me to chat about it. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Scott 
Gerber. Scott is the CEO of The Community Company, an organization that builds and manages community-driven programs for media companies and global brands. He is the founder of YEC, an invitation-only organization comprised of the world's most successful young entrepreneurs and Forbes Councils, a collective of invitation-only organizations for elite executives. He's also a sought-after speaker, the co-author of Super Connector, and the author of Never Get a Real Job. Scott has been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Bloomberg, Fortune, Time, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, Reuters, Mashable, BBC, NPR, Forbes, The Daily Beast, CBS News, US News, and World Report, Fox News, and Entrepreneur, and has been honored by NASDAQ and the White House. Follow him over on Twitter, at Scott Gerber. Scott, that was a mouthful of an introduction. <laughs> so many awesome things. It's hard to keep it short and succinct. So really, much really appreciate, appreciate you having coming on the show, man. Why don't you go ahead and expound on that intro just a tad if you can, and then tell me what you're most excited about doing right now. Yeah, no, I mean, we're in the community business, you know, basically finding ways to better connect stakeholders of companies or various different membership related groups or professionals, you know, helping them to achieve a common goal, whether it's connection, resources, being able to be seen as a thought leader, but really just taking this idea of community and actualizing it. I think there's a lot of discussion today on what is community or what is my community strategy, but not many people know how to execute on something that's actually viable that makes sense. So we sort of help people to determine what that is for brand brands that stretch from Forbes to FedEx. So, you know, basically been at it for almost a decade now and have a lot of really wonderful communities in the portfolio. Yeah, really awesome. And tell me about the book that just came out. How was that whole process with you, for, for you guys? You know, it was exciting. My first book I wrote by myself, which I just remember being just a slog. I mean, you know, it's you and your computer in basically whatever your writing space is for six to eight months, and you want to pull your hair out by the end, (laughs) like do anything to anybody. With this one, in writing it with Ryan, you know, especially on the idea of being a connector and stopping networking, it was really exciting to write it with my partner. One, because we've obviously been on this journey together for so long and really have put together this methodology and framework that we believe is a better way forward for folks that want to connect, but also because I'm an extreme extrovert and he's an extreme introvert. And so the perspectives are vastly different, but on the goals that are very much like-minded. So getting there at certain times, it's like any marriage or partnership, you know, there's days where you want to, you know, celebrate and days you want to kill each other. But as a whole, the experience was much more gratifying, I think, to be able to write it with, you know, somebody who I hold in such high regard. Yeah, really cool. Is there a disadvantage or advantage or do you think it's pretty much neutral, like level playing field to being an extrovert versus an introvert in regards to networking, building relationships, connecting people? You know, it's funny. We've been having a lot of these conversations. And I think that when you have the right lens on the world, I don't necessarily think one is better than the other, one is worse than the other. I think if I had to take a guess on the whole, I think there's more of a stigma against those that are introverted, when in reality, those that are introverted, in my opinion, are actually much better suited to be super connectors for many reasons. They're more thoughtful because big spaces are problematic. They do much more research. They try to convene smaller, more intimate uh, meetups and gatherings, just a number of different things. But at the end of the day, I think also what's interesting, and I look at my own partnership, I think I've taught a lot to Ryan about how to handle himself or be in a more entertainer role, let's say, when you're in a larger setup. He's taught me how to be much more uh, thoughtful and meaningful in smaller gatherings or online spaces. So, you know, it's really about using the same mindset, but just to see two different sides of the equation in a different way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really funny. I get that question a lot, obviously, with the show and stuff now. And I'm more of an introvert. So I've always just kind of told people, you know, play to your strengths, but I didn't really have much research behind like which one would be better or worse. I kind of felt that at first that being an extrovert would be like the obvious, oh, yeah, if you're an extrovert, you're obviously better at networking. But like you're saying, the more that I got to know people and brought people on my show that were expert networkers, and I asked them if they were an introvert or an extrovert, a lot of those people were saying that they were introverts. And it was honestly, encouraging to me because I was like, oh, okay, good. (laughs) I don't have a disadvantage here. (laughs) I think it's less about introverts being weak than extroverts being sort of doing the wrong thing. I think the sort of quote unquote networker, which we fundamentally disagree with the premise of a networker, and I'm sure we can get into that. But, you know, the idea of this type A bravado driven, confident person walking into a room of 5,000 and walking out with 500 business cards and 50 clients, (laughs) I think is just that idea of this grandiose exemplar caricature that simply put is just a fallacy. It's, it's a myth. In fact, if you're a very smart connector, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, the last thing you want to do is try to go into some environment that you don't have a level of control over. So I think that the idea of a connector is one who's more selective, who's more of a community builder, someone who's thinking more about referral than just trying to meet new people all the time, You know, not thinking transactionally. So they're not trying to take one relationship in the moment and turn it into some sort of value. You know, These kinds of things are, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, important to that lens that allows you to create a foundation from which you can become a very smart, long-term, no, frankly, profitable connector. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. So are you guys really trying to just obliterate the notion of quote unquote networking and bring in like a new idea behind building relationships then? I certainly think we're trying to abolish the idea of a networker. You know, if Mm. you ask most people, hey, don't you just love networkers? (laughs) 
I mean, every person I've said that to has sort of had the same response you had. There's sort of a laugh to that because immediately your eye is going to the guy with the business card, sweaty yeah. palms, telling all about him. Yeah, networking and net. That's what I call exactly. it. Exactly. It's, it's the transactional, I'm going to win, I'm going to get you into doing something for me selling life insurance, right? I mean, right, that's right. the MLM person waiting to give you the, the Rodan and Fields. But the reality is, is that while the, even the best salesman on earth might hit their numbers, what they're not looking at is the arbitrage. Great, you might sell 50 people a month, but you had to go through 500 people to get there, and 400 people will close the door forever for you because they think you're an arrogant, pompous ass that's self-righteous and doesn't know his ass from his elbow, exactly. right? So I think what we're trying to say here is, is that like everything else, there is a process here. There is a lens by which that you have to live your life. It is a framework. It is a mindset. It is not a series of tips and tricks and gamifying lifestyle. It's mm -hmm. similar to how you want to be healthy. There's a difference between people who say, you know, I really want to lose some weight versus those that I want to live a healthy lifestyle. The people that are going to want to go and lose weight, what do they do, right? They go on Nutrisystem. They go to the gym once a week. They have a shake in the middle of the day instead of a meal. But those that are changing their lifestyle are changing their entire eating habits, are thinking about the gym not as an, an activity I must do once a week, but how do I put great exercise into every day of my life? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just a different mindset. You can't have eight pack abs in five minutes, no matter what a box says. And it's the same thing with building relationships. Long tail, long term, more value for everyone. That's the lens we believe works. Yes, exactly. The long term thing is the main thing that I try to focus on here on the show, Scott, because of exactly what you just said. I mean, yes, will you have results? Of course. Yeah, it's a numbers game. If you talk to enough people, you're going to make sales. You're going to enroll people in your business, you're going to get contacts and get referrals and all that kind of stuff. But how long is that sustainable for? How many people are you pissing off in the process? And will you be able to duplicate this in you know five years from now? Uh, I would argue probably not. So let me ask you this, Scott, when somebody comes up to you and they're being a total networking Ned, like the whole nine yards, you get the pitch right off the bat before they even ask you what your name is and they're throwing a business card at you. You just saw them throw a business card at this other guy. And what do you do in that situation? How do you handle that situation? I mean, first off, I mean, thankfully, in this part of my life, I've learned how not to most times put myself in a situation where that is even possible. Yeah, I think the best connectors, again, are very selective people, selective in the sense of where they put their time, what environments they put themselves into, the people they surround themselves with. So we could certainly go through the steps of, of how best to prohibit that situation. But look, in any situation, no matter how perfect you try to be, there's always going to be that moment. Look, I'm a polite person. I certainly am not going to be like, ew, get away from me. Right. But, you know, I mean, the obvious thing is if I know that you're out to get something in the first five seconds, you know, you're probably not going to have a great impression. And I'm probably going to forget you. Or if I don't forget you, I'm remembering you because you are just that memorable in the absolute worst way possible. Right. I like to think of it this way, man. Like you and I, you know, I'm sure we know a lot of people that know both of us. I'm sure we both come from great circles of folks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we just met. It's the equivalent of me coming up to you for the first time and saying, you know, man, we should be best friends. <laughs> Let's be best friends. You know what? Starting today, you and I are best friends. What's your phone number? Where do you live? Hey, let me take you out for some beers. You know what? Let me come to your house. Let's hang out. Let me meet your family. Do you get my point? Yeah. Who the hell would do that in any other environment? And yet in these networking circles, that is basically what these people are doing. It's hey, let me undress everything in your life and then insert myself and then it's <laughs> that sell you something. 
it's like in no other scenario is that even common sense. Right. Yet right. somehow someone said this is the way it's done and no one has corrected it. Now, there's some people that are worse than others, some people that obviously could theoretically survive that environment for whatever reason. But again, I think that after literally meeting thousands of people, literally tens of thousands of people over the last decade, I can fundamentally tell you people that have made an impression on me that I remember in a good way are all strong connectors because of the moment that they won me over with how habitually generous they were and that they weren't caring about what I could do for them, who I could intro them to. And I remember exact stories based on what people have done. And not because I was expecting it, not because I wanted it, but because it showed the kind of person they were and it stuck with me in my heart. That to me is the true difference maker, in my opinion. So let's go back then and talk about those ways to take yourself out of those situations where you're going to meet networking Ned more often than not. What, What are some ways to avoid those types of situations? Yep. So in the book, we talk a lot about this too, but you know, my partner and I are big fans of this idea of creating an oasis. And what that means is that, you know, look, there are these mega conferences and trade shows that for business purposes, whether you want to be a connector or a networker, you have to end up at. But more times than not, most people might find a speech interesting, but most of the quote unquote networking is probably not going to lead to fundamental value because most of these conferences today or most of these trade shows have gotten so large that beyond just a name tag, there's no synergy. There's no connectivity tissue. There's nothing that is sort of guiding you on, you know, who should you be investing your time with Mm -hmm. beyond, hi, I'm Mark, hi, I'm Jim. Oh, you work in this industry? Great, right? It basically allows itself to end up in small talkville. And we say small talk is simply put not a connector way of communication. It just isn't. It's a waste of time. And so first we say, okay, creating an oasis is looking at a big piece of real estate like a conference that has, say, 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. And like two to three weeks before the event, beginning to research who's going to be there, looking at your own inner circle or you know network to see who might be in attendance of this thing, to build in anchors, people that are really people you trust and respect and know would be great to bring into other groups of amazing people. Then you put criteria together and begin researching amazing people you know through social media, through other avenues of who's going to be in attendance at this event. Yeah. You ask those people who they recommend. You do your own research. You say yes or no. But in the end, you curate a room of 10, 15, 20, 30 people. And before the event, you ask three or four questions, right? You want to remove all the friction from this event because the thing that kills us is we end up in small talkville because people that are the hosts don't do their jobs. And so you ask three questions beforehand, not about their LinkedIn profile and bona fides. You have that already. You're going to ask things like if it's a business setting, what is the biggest challenge you're facing in your business right now? Number two might be, what is the biggest strength that you know you have to help others? And number three might be, what is just something crazy that most people don't know about you? You take those three things, you link the person's name with a LinkedIn profile, you send an email digest to everybody who's attending. So everybody's aware of who's coming. Now you know who is in the be in the event. You know information about them. You've removed friction from conversations. If it's a sit-down event, you could even make it as a curator one step further and make it that you put people next to each other for a reason, but not tell them why. Let them explore it. But a lot of little things like that, but all with the core of getting people to actually have meaningful, non-surface level conversations. Because the best connection opportunities are when you can either be or help others to be sort of a Sherlock Holmes of discourse. To be able to dig real context, real nuggets out 
of people. So it's not, what do you do? It's what's exciting that you're working on right now? What does success look like in a year from now if you're successful with that? Because now you're getting context that you can do follow-up questions, that you can basically chime in to get more information, to be able to learn more about the person, actually be curious about the person. And then at the end of the event, you have a big follow-up. You say, thank you, everybody, for coming. If you have any feedback, I like to do these around the country. If you're ever at other events, let me know if you want to attend. And if you didn't get to meet anybody you wish you could have, let me know. I'll make the introduction for you through a double opt-in. Yeah. My point is, more times than not, yes, it takes more work, but the experiences will be deeper. The relationships foundationally will be stronger. And I've seen this firsthand where I've taken people from larger events to do this, and they'll often say, our event ends up being the highlight of the entire conference for them, and it wasn't even on the event calendar. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I'm not saying, is the only way to do it, mm-hmm. but it's the key of getting people into a place where they're surrounded by the right kinds of amazing people, and you are the curator of amazing people. Yeah. So there was something out of that that I was planning on asking this question at some point of this conversation, because I'm sure someone like you has a lot of stuff to talk about. You kind of already answered it, but I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into it. So how do you really feel about the question? What do you do? (laughs) I think it is surface level small talk. It is unoriginal thinking. It is a social script. Because here's the thing. What do you do usually will go something like this. You'll ask me, what do I do? Oh, I'm the CEO of a community company. We build blah, 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 blah. And now you're basically using the boilerplate PR marketing speak that you've been trained by your company to do or that you yourself own that you know is the bona fides. And where is that going to go? Yeah. The next logical thing the person's going to say is, oh, that's great. How long have you been there? Or some other surface level nonsense versus if a question is more along the lines of, you know, what are you really excited about that you're working on right now? I might say, well, in my company, there's this project. I might say we're building this new initiative. I might say I'm having a fourth child and I'm excited. But it's I think the question you asked is designed to be a professional boilerplate answer. The question I sort of posed is one that is meant to learn about the person. They're different because people are also not just what they do, but I think in these environments, we make the assumption that that's what they want to talk about. And we might be losing a deep foundational relationship because they're just having yet another work-related conversation around the bona fides. Right. Not everybody wants to do that. Yeah. It's crazy too, because like you said, in any other situation, it's just not really something that you do, you know, like it's not really a normal thing to connect with people. It's just like one of my biggest pieces of advice to somebody, Scott, is just to be normal, like stop treating it like it's this completely separate thing that you like only focus, you know, different periods of time on. If you're actually good at this, it should be something that's like you were saying, it's a lifestyle. It's not something that you just pick up when you're at an event or at a conference. You could be missing out on awesome relationships all over the place just because you're not fully engaged in actually being normal and creating friendships and relationships, except for when you're in an environment that like makes you do that. You know what I mean? So like great example, I talked about this on my show yesterday. I'm sure I'll keep talking about it because I thought it was so cool. Um, But I live out in Vegas and I was filling up at a gas station three, four miles down the road from my house. And I look over, this guy is a super nice, clean Ferrari. And I could tell it's brand new. So I just kind of looked over at him. I was like, hey, man, really nice car. And then I asked that boilerplate question, which I shouldn't have asked. But I said, do you mind if I ask what you do for a living? And he goes, oh, I'm the president of MGM Resorts. And I was like, 
wait, what? <laughs> it was it was like a big like jaw-dropping moment for me. And it was a big teaching moment for me too, to remind me that networking and connecting with people and building relationships isn't just something that you do when you're enrolled to go to a conference. It's a lifestyle choice. Yep. And if you just be normal, I went over, we had a two or three minute conversation. He asked me where I was from in California. We talked about where he went to college and all this other stuff. He gave me his number and I'm going to reach back out to connect with him again, uh, just to say what's up and say thank you, send him a thank you card and all that kind of good stuff. But it would have been something that just I completely missed out on if I was totally focused on that. What do I do in this situation? Only if I'm in the situation that promotes a networking type of an atmosphere. Yeah, we talk a lot about in the book how curiosity is one of the key attributes of a connector, right? Mm -hmm. You're generally curious about people. And a lot of people aren't. And a lot of people just want to have personal gain all day long. And you know what? Like, power to you. But I think that's one key. Another that has been really interesting, you know, as I've been doing sort of uh, podcast interviews and everything for the book tour, one of the questions that keeps coming up, which is just so interesting to me because people even have to ask it. And it's something along the lines of, well, how do you suppose people should act in the real world versus the online world? And I'm sort of like sitting there like, again, what other area of life would someone ask a question like that? Right. Like, are you supposed to lie in one and be an ass? another? Like, (laughs) are you supposed to use shorter sentences in one of the, you know, I get like, you want to speak the language of the platform. So yeah, maybe you don't write like three levels of books about yourself on Facebook, but in a forum, you don't act any differently than, you know, you don't ask different questions. You're not thinking differently. You might engage differently just because of the frequency of conversation and the number of people involved, but it amazes me. But that's what I'm talking about. It's that tips and tricks mindset versus a real mindset. It's people thinking that this is a marketing hack. Like if I just do these five things, I'm going to convert at a higher level because we've become so bastardized. I mean, again, I have no doubt that networking back in the good old raccoon lodge days, right? Where it was 20 guys, you know, talking shop. It was truly building deep relationships, but, you know, add in some MLM industries, 10 years later, add in some CMOs, add in some internet marketers, you know, all these levels, add in new industries that are built to build this kind of stuff. And now all of a sudden, like everything it's bastardized, Mm. it's gamified. It's created to cause an immediate result. It creates a book you should read because that book's going to tell you how to be a networking master, you know, like, but that's the point. What the hell happened? Right. And I think what happened is we forgot to be human. To be normal. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny that we're, that you're saying that, man. I definitely, definitely need to pick up a copy of the book and I'll be doing that as soon as we hang up this call because everything that you're saying is stuff that I've been trying to say to people and you're articulating it in a really, really effective way. So I appreciate the insight. This is a question, Scott, that I ask everybody that comes onto the show. I'm curious to hear your response to this. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Ooh, you know... See, I don't want to give a half answer because I think that's what most people would try to do. Yeah, everybody goes, oh, it's kind of both. At the beginning of the show, bro, I used to let people get away with it. But nowadays, I'm like, nope, no, no, pick no. One. <laughs> I, if I had to pick, I think it's what you know, because that attracts who you should know. Hmm. Look, I think if you've ever read or heard about Adam Grant's book, Give and Take. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up, actually. But yeah, yep, go ahead. Yeah, he has obviously the pyramid and, you know, on the top is the successful uh, folks and the bottom is the least successful. And both the top and the bottom are givers. Mm-hmm. What's the differentiating factor? It's that those that were on the top prioritized their own success. They were habitually generous. They, they had all of the different traits and insights of a true connector, but they managed their time and their success as a key level of their life instead of trying to give without purpose, give without meaning, just help everybody and their mother and not prioritize their own time. 
And so, you know, I think that when you are expert in what you do, when you are successful in what you do, and that doesn't just, by the way, mean monetarily, just when you're successful in what you do, when others see that you're successful in what you do, I think they naturally want to know you because they want to know it. You know, we talk a lot about in the book how super connectors are just as much connectors of people as they are connectors of knowledge, that they're information brokers, because we trade in information. How else do you connect people, right? right and so right. I think at the end of the day, I would go if it's what you know, because what you know will be the ability to create a whole circle of who you know. But without what, you can't know who you know until you know what you know. Yeah, so so many great insights from that, man. Let me ask you this. In your career, have you ever invested money into relationships as far as like in a mastermind setting or something like that besides just events? Because obviously we all go to yep. events, but besides events, like more focused masterminds, smaller amount of people, one-on-one -on -one mentorships, do you spend money on that kind of stuff? If not, why not? And if so, yep. why? So I've never bought like a lead or like bought a, a relationship, Okay, right? But I view things like, for example, like what we do with membership communities with YEC, Forbes Councils, I view that as you have to first make criteria before you can be part of a group that is going to help you excel on an educational level or so you can receive certain benefits that are befitting of where you are in a successful station in life. I view that as an opportunity to begin to engage your peers. It doesn't mean that you'll be successful at it, but we want to give you every opportunity to do so. So I think you're removing noise from your life with those kinds of purchases. You're not buying friends or relationships because you still need to put the work in. It's yeah. not like magically all of a sudden, oh, look, I bought this ticket to this big you know, room and then you sit in the corner the whole time. Well, that's going to be what happens. And so I think there's a time and place for that, obviously. It's the business mm -hmm. I'm in. But I don't believe necessarily in buying your way into a business relationship unless a broker relationship is established. I do believe certain consultants can be incredibly helpful. But again, if it's a mentorship relationship or meant to be someone is your mentor, I have a big issue with that. I don't believe if you are a mentor and you are trying to mentor people, I don't believe you're allowed to cross the line of mentor to partner. Okay. To me, that's a sacred line. A mastermind to me is a service. It is not a mentorship opportunity. You know, if you are in like a Vistage or an EO or a YPO or YEC, where these kind of masterminds exist, you are basically creating an environment around yourself with successful people. Yeah. But while you may go off with one of those people long-term and have a relationship, the facilitator is not there to mentor you. They're, to have, they're there to get you results that you're paying for. So that, I think that would answer the question. So you say that coaching and mentorship, there's a big difference there. Can you differentiate? Coaching is not mentorship. Coaching mm -hmm. is you are paying an expert for a specific level of expertise to help you attain a goal that is pre-stated, that KPIs are established, and it's no different than any other, what I would say, working relationship you're going to have, right? There's certain mm -hmm. goals, you hit the goals, you hit the deliverables. Mentorship is someone giving of themselves and their time to you, regardless of a potential outcome for success, because they see your pathway to be successful, and they want to invest in you as a person without the goal of financial gain or reward being involved. And so those are two different things. Like I have had mentors that would never ask me to be involved in anything, even though they learn the most intimate details of something that could, if they were to invest or whatever, potentially make millions of dollars, but it would cross the line. And I think that's where a real mentor comes from. What I would say to all your listeners, if someone is offering you mentorship, but trying to say there's a price or saying, hey, I want to be your business partner. Look, there's always gray in every situation. So I don't want to generalize, but beware the buyer, you know, buyer beware. I just don't fundamentally believe that if someone has true intention of being a mentor, that financial reward or financial incentive should be anywhere near the equation. So is there a particular 
I hate using this word, but I think it's necessary in order for people to understand what I mean by this. Is there a particular level that you should be looking for a mentor to be on? Because I feel like psychologically, and I'm pretty sure there's some solid research behind this, psychologically, people that are directly above the level that you're on have this idea where they don't really want you to catch up. Even if they don't really think that consciously, it's kind of a subconscious, like, I want to be doing better type thing in human nature that kind of will make them keep you down a little bit. So when you're looking for a mentor, mentorship in some regard, are you trying to go like two, three, four levels above where you currently are so that they don't really have a big financial incentive and they're actually willing to give you good information to be able to propel you forward? You know, very interesting. I've never had that experience. I hope others don't. Like, for example, I mentor junior achievement kids. Okay. That's my big give that are just trying to learn what entrepreneurship even is, right? I've also mentored people that are college grads that started their first business. I've also, I won't say been a mentor in the sense of like a formalized mentorship arrangement, but I mentor close friends of mine that are equally, if not more successful financially than I am on areas where they have blind spots the same way they do for me. I don't look at someone's self wealth as self-worth. Personally, I have had someone who I knew very young in their career that if we were to put dollar stacks next to each other, he would crush me. Yeah. But yet he still comes to me for advice. Okay. Because there's just certain areas where you stay in your lane. Yeah. But more importantly, I just genuinely believe that if you're a true mentor, you're investing because you want someone to be successful. If you have an issue with that person being successful, then you're probably not the best mentor for them. Yeah. Likewise, if you're someone that's looking for a mentor and they're in your industry, you know, best to make sure that they have true heart and intent. You don't want someone that's like keeping an eye on the competition or you know putting their thumb on you in some way because that's not the intent of the experience you're looking for. And you should make sure there's an honest understanding there. I find that more times than not, if you really know someone, which takes several sessions, several conversations, getting to know them over a period of time in intimate settings, you know if it's right or wrong to try to ask someone to be a more formal mentor or not. Okay. So on that same line of thinking here, so how do we then attract a mentor? So obviously a coach or a mastermind, like we're talking about, that's stuff that you pay for. So if you really want to get close to a guy that's a coach, you can pay him to be your coach and literally, like you said, buy your way into relationship, quote unquote. So when you are trying to find a mentor, somebody to offer, you know, it's not super formal, but an open line of communication anyway, with somebody that you really admire and respect, how do you approach that? Yeah. You know, look, it's like every other kind of relationship. First and foremost, it's just identifying people in your inner circle that perhaps can guide you towards the ideal person for you. Now, I think it's more important to have the level of self-awareness to know what you're looking for. Most people don't know how to make a smart ask of anyone. They don't understand even what, okay, I need a mentor. What the hell does that mean? right? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you looking for in a mentor? Why this mentor versus that one? Mm -hmm. Are you just name headline driven? Like, oh, I I need Richard Branson, which is stupid. Or are you thinking like, (laughs) I need the town lawyer because they've seen everything and everyone. So I think it's trying to figure out an honest, realistic framework, basically, of what a person looks like. What's the ideal candidate for you? Mm -hmm. And then it's asking people, do you think this is a good framework for me? Again, a lot of the people that can help you in life, if you bring them into the process, but don't just make the ask right away, they can help it make it smarter, or they can guide you in the right direction. There might be some people that help you hone and tweak and be like, well, what about this kind of person versus that? Oh, that's good. Well, that I have to remove. And then certain other people, after looking at that more hone plan, might say, you know, I have one or two people. Let me reach out and see, you know, this person, he's great. She's great. They love giving back to young entrepreneurs or 
executives or whatever. Let me see if they'd be willing to take a coffee with you and learn a little bit more. And it starts off being a 15 minute conversation. And if it ends well, then it's like, hey, check in with me in a couple of months or a couple of weeks. It's all very natural. I think the most important thing I want to tell your audience is the lens is what matters. The framework, the mindset is what matters. If you live your life by those standards, then these things will come naturally over time. Because it's sort of a way you live your life. You're trying to attract other amazing people based on you being an authentic human that has a lot to give in the world or will be someone that can be a very big giver in the world and people will notice that and want to invest in you. But I just think it's important to know everything I'm saying right now are examples and shouldn't be like the gospel of how to do something. You're going to learn that over time in your own way. Such a fantastic way to cap off this interview, Scott. We're going to move into something I like to call the random round, just the last segment here. Really quick, random questions with some quick, random answers. You ready? I'm ready. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Ooh, that is a good question. Politician. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? My grandmother, because I miss her. How do you like to consume content? Books, blogs, audiobooks, podcasts, or videos? If it's on my phone, it doesn't matter what digital format it's in. It's the only way it's getting in front of me. (laughs) And what besides your newest book, what besides that would you recommend the audience to read or listen to? Anything by Adam Grant or Keith Ferrazzi. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Oh, I have four children. It's not pretty. (laughs) Get to school, put on your clothes, eat your food. Wait, we have to go. Wait, where's Dahlia? uh, Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. I have seven, five, three, and 10 months. It's not a, oh, we wake up, I give a hug to my wife, we have a sip of coffee, read the New York Times. It's not a leave it to beaver situation. No, it's not a leave it to beaver situation. (laughs) What is your go-to pump-up song, Scott? Anything by Bon Jovi. What are you not very good at? Everything but what I do every day. And as we get everything wrapped up here, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? You can follow me at Twitter at Scott Gerber. Uh, You can also uh, go to superconnectorbook.com, keep up with what's going on with our movement around the superconnector mindset. So for more on Scott, head over to Twitter. That's at Scott Gerber, G-E-R-B-E-R. And then please go buy a copy of his book. Man, you heard so much great content, just applicable practical things that's going to help you explode your network in 2018. So go over to superconnectorbook.com, pick up a copy, reach out, tell them what's up, tell them you heard about him here on the show. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Seriously, so much awesome, awesome content from you today. Thanks very much for having me. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.